Achenu program, Shir number eight, Peah chapter eight. It's Sunday morning. We are hours away from the grand seer, the international seer of this learning program. If you haven't learned a Mishnah yet from the previous seven chapters, please join me today. Learn one Mishnah, learn the whole chapter of Mishnayas, and together our learning should bring blessings and success for the, our brothers and sisters in the land of Israel. Once the poor people, in chapter 8, once the poor people have finished searching a field or an orchard, what's rightfully theirs, anything that's later found in the field are considered ownerless and can be taken by anyone, even a rich person. I mean, why a rich person would go traipsing around a field to find some trodden on crops? Who knows? But it's possible. The mission discusses at what point do we say that the poor have finished it? How do we know when it's over? When can everybody come and take these dropped items of food? After the elderly poor have gone through the field, they're going to be the last group. They walk slowly. They probably arrive after all the young young people, so they don't get pushed over. Once they have got, once they've gone, it's all over. It's now free for everyone to take. But parents for Olulus, what about the the grapes? That have fallen. When do they become available for everyone to take? After the poor people have gone through the vineyard once in search of the gifts, then they come back and they search a second time. After that, it's all finished. What about your olives? When the second rain falls, then it's all over for the season and anyone can come and take it. Rabbi Yehuda says, Rabbi Yehuda, but some people don't begin to harvest until the second rain. So how can that be? That after the second rain, it's free for everybody when that's not everybody, that's not every farmer's practice. Elar rather says Rabbi Yehuda, When do we say it's permissible for everyone to take? When the amount of the remaining gifts is so small that if the poor person would go out into the olive grove and collect them, he would be unable to bring back four Issa's worth of olives so that there's so few left in the field that that's really an indication that the time, the season has come to an end. There is a word, a phrase, Am Ha'aretz. So Am Ha'aretz, we often use it in colloquial Hebrew to refer to an ignoramus, someone who doesn't know anything in Judaism. But in the Mishnah's language, in Am Ha'aretz, it's someone who doesn't know really how to keep the laws of Maisa, how to tithe the produce properly. And we don't trust them because they're, they're unlearned and therefore their food is, you suspect that it hasn't been tithed properly, in which case it's not kosher, it's not fit for eating. Ne'emanim al-halakat, poor Ame Ha'aretz. So they're poor in financial and they're poor in their, in their knowledge. Nebuch, double poor are believed to say that their produce is lekat shechopeah, and thus it's exempt from any of the tithes when it's the season for those foods to be collected. Obviously, if it's out of season, then they're just swindling you, and they just don't know what they're doing. And they are believed to say that their produce is maisa'oni, the gifts they would have been given on the third and sixth year of a Shemitah cycle, when the, the farmer, rather than taking his food to Jerusalem to eat as maisa'sheni, would have given it to the poor. You, they, they are believed as well to say that the produce they have in, the, in those years is rightfully theirs and therefore exempt from tithing. There would be no point in giving gifts to the poor only to make them take, pay tax on it. That wouldn't be very fair. 
Ovan Levi, Neman Oilam. A Levi, who's an Amaris, is always believed to say that the produce he has is rightfully his from Maisa Rishon, the first tithe that has to be taken. And therefore, we don't worry about it. It can be eaten without needing to be fixed. The Ainon Neamanim, but they're not believed. A poor or a Levi, Amaris, Ela Al Dava, Shibane Adam, Noagin Kane. Only if they receive something that, that they normally get, that people give away. If they've got something unusual, then it's not likely that they received it as a tithe or as gifts to the poor, in which case you can't share their food with them because it's probably not tithe. Or if you want to eat it, you have to take a tenth off that produce and fix it, and then it'll be kosher for you to eat. Ne'emanim alachitim, poor Amehaaretz, are believed to say that unprocessed wheat was collected or given to them as leket, shikha or peya or Maisa'ani, any of the gifts we've spoken about in this Masachta. They're not believed to say that flour or bread was a gift because it's not usually given to them. It's normally, in those days, they were given the wheat and then they had to process it themselves. They're believed to say that rice in its hull is tithed exempts. But they're not believed to say about rice whose hulls have been removed, whether it is raw or cooked, because rice is given to the poor. Again, this is context is important. How did the poor receive their gifts? So if it was different, if it deviated from the way that these items were usually given, then we don't believe what they have to say. They're believed to say that whole beans are exempt from tithing. But if it's crushed beans, whether they are raw or they've been cooked, because beans are normally given to the poor while they are still whole. Ne'emonim alashemem, they believe to say about oil that was given to them as maisa'oni. Ne'emonim alashemem, lo ma'ashu maisa'oni, they're trusted because that was given to them in that state. Ve'ein ne'emonim alav lo ma'ashil zeitei nikrofur, but they're not believed to say that the olive oil was made from forgotten olives that were left on the ground because there are usually too few olives that have been forgotten to be able to make any serious quantity of oil. So they are believed to say that raw vegetables were given to them as the second tithe, as the poor man's tithe. But they're not going to be cooked first. So if they claim that this cooked food was given to them as a gift for the poor, then that's not believable. Unless he only has a small amount of cooked vegetables, Possibly, maybe someone cooked it and then gave it to him, but large quantities would not have been given, and therefore you're just not believed to make the claim that you're trying to make. It was common for a homeowner who forgets to set aside my son. So you're a, a homeowner, you've harvested your vegetables, you've cooked them. The only thing I give out, I didn't take my tithe. So once you've cooked them, you could then tithe them afterwards, but that would only be a tiny amount from the from the vast quantities that have been cooked. So therefore, if the poor person says, hey, I've got these cooked vegetables, we could believe him in this situation only. When giving Maisa'ani, a farmer may not give each poor person at the threshing floor less than a certain amount, half a half cove of wheat or a cove of barley. Rabbi Meir says, chatsi the minimum quantity for barley is half a cup, not a whole cup. Kav vachetzi kusmin, a cup and a half of spelt, the kav gorogros and a cup of dried figs, or a manna of pressed figs. It's a unit of weight. Rabbi Akiva says, press, the minimum for pressed figs is half a manna. 
chatsi log yain, half a log of wine. Rabbi Akiva says, revit a quarter of a log. Revit a shemen, a quarter of a log of oil. And Rabbi Akiva says, shminis an eighth. Ushakala peris for all other produce that hasn't been listed as we've just learned. Alma Abashol, Abashol said a poor person must be given enough of the produce. Kedei Shiyim Karin, that he could sell what you've given it to him. The Yikach Behem Mozain stays to others and would be able to buy with the money he's now received food for two meals. Midazu Amurabai Kohanim. These minimum amounts of my Sa'ani, of the tithe you give to the poor, apply to all farmers, whether they are Kohanim, Levim, or Yisraelim. So Midazu Amurabai Kohanim, or Levim, or Yisraelim. Hayomatzel, if a farmer wants to save some of his maizani for his poor relatives and friends who are not at the threshing floor on the day that he gives it out, notar mechsa, he could remove at least half of it, the no sen mechsa, and he has to give out to the people who are gathered there. Hayoladova muat, what happens if he only has a little bit to give, to give? And he can't then you know, give the required amounts and save for his relatives. No sen ifneem, he places all the remaining maizah before the poor, and they divided equally among themselves. No send if neam for hein mechalkin be neam. Mishnah Zion, only three more Mishnahs to go. Ein pochasin the oni ha over nokin rokum yikika be pundion me abos in basella. We don't give a poor person who is traveling from place to place less than a loaf of bread that costs a pundion at a time when four sales of wheat cost a seller. So you've got a poor traveller goes through one town to the next, maybe he's looking for food in different places. He has to have enough bread, a certain amount, that would be enough for two meals. That would be sufficient, which is the amount they ate per day. Lan noisten if he stays in the town overnight, they also have to make sure they look after him at night time, give him a place to stay, and a bed, and bedding, and show him respect. Shavat, if he stays in the town over Shabbos, then what does he do? Then you have to have three meals because that's what we do on Shabbos. If you've got enough food for two meals, then you're not allowed to take from the charity place because that fund was given for those who have no food at all and you have enough food for two meals. A poor person has got 14 meals, so enough for a whole week also must not take from the charity box because that's again was designated for those who do not have the meals for the week money for the charity box must be collected by a team of two collectors because that way they can't no one can steal the money it's all important the money must be given out a panel of three people because each poor person's needs have to be assessed and determined how much he deserves how much he needs etc and you need to have three people making that decision Mishnah Ches, penultimate Mishnah. Me, she has to have Zuz. If you've got 200 Zuz, you've got some funds in your bank. You are considered wealthy enough and you are not allowed to take these gifts for the poor. That's the typical Mishnah. So you've got just less than 200. Okay, so he may take the gifts. So 200, yes. A tiny bit, no. Sorry, 200, no. You've got enough money. A tiny bit less, you can. In fact, even if they give him 1,000 Zuz at once, he may accept them all. Since it's only one gift, he may accept it, even though it will increase his assets far beyond 200 Zuz. So how do you calculate? 
So a person has 200 zuz, but part of it was going to go and pay back money that he owed somebody else. Or it was set aside to pay his wife's kusuba in the event that they get divorced. He may collect gifts for the poor because the money isn't really his at that moment. We don't ask someone to sell the house. That's touch Misha or what he has in order to be able to make up the money. These assets are not counted when calculating whether a person has 200. So you need to have 200 actual cash that you can go and spend. And if you have that, that you can't collect. If you don't have it, you can. Final Mishnah. Oh, tremendous. What if you've got 50 zuz? But he does business. Who knows seven no sembaham? Harry lo yitzam. He does business with the money. He may not take gifts for the poor because he's able to use his money to earn enough money to support himself. So we've said two hundred was the magic number. Then the Mishnah, net the last Mishnah, then qualifies it even more. If you got fifty, but you can earn more money with it, then you no know, fifty zuz used for business. The rabbi said is e- is equal to having two hundred zuz. That is not being used because you've got the potential. Anyone who doesn't need to take the no-tell, this is where you get a bit of Musa. If you are a swindler and you don't need to take free stuff and you come along and take free stuff that you don't deserve, says the Mishnah, you will die in poverty. Your, your, your final years will be in poverty and you'll need you'll then need to take that what you shouldn't have taken earlier. What happens if you need and you don't take? So you just struggle and don't take charity. Says the Mishnah, will not die at old age until he becomes wealthy and supports other people. And about this person, the Posuk writes in Jeremiah, Baruch Hagever Shayivtach Hashem. Blessed is the person trust in Hashem. Hashem is his source of trust. When you don't resort to charity, but you trust in Hashem for your needs, Hashem will respond and take care of your needs. And now the, the Mishnah applies this concept to other situations. For Chaldayan, any judge, Shadan, Din, Emes, Amito, also will be rewarded. A judge who judges a true judgment for the sake of truth will be rewarded as well. He's also considered to be judging with the trust of Hashem. Anyone who's neither lame, blind, or crippled. He's a, he's a swindler, and he fakes having any of these conditions. People will feel nebuch towards him. He will not die of old age. He'll then nebuch be punished by having these conditions. To pursue justice. Anyone judged who takes a bribe. And perverts judgment. His eyes will become blind. It says in the Pasuk, Do not take a bribe. Bribery blinds those who see. Bezrat Hashem, our learning, our connection to the land of Israel, to this precious land of Israel. Finishing with the Pasuk, Baruch Hageva Sheyivtach Hashem Vahayah Hashem Mivtacho. This should be our anthem. Have faith in Hashem, trust in Hashem. Bezrat Hashem, we will only hear good things. Shkoyach, if you learned the Basachta with me. Shkoyach, if you learned just one Mishnah. Shkoyach, if you put it on and didn't learn anything, just putting it on, you get a reward. And Bezrat Hashem, a different learning program tomorrow. Kaltov. Ashrenu matav chokinu.